Romans chapter number 10, and with the help of the Lord, in just a very few moments, I'm going to read just one verse of Scripture that I simply could not get away from while seeking the Lord's will for the service today. Well, I'll say all that I just said again here in just a few minutes. Bible, if you would please, Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 13. Just a single verse of Scripture that I simply could not get away from while seeking the Lord's will for the service today. My heart is tremendously burdened for someone that might have made your way to the house of the Lord this morning, and yet you know down deep inside you have never met the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's my privilege to tell you that I too one day as an eight-year-old boy sat where you're sitting, and instead of a preacher telling me what I needed, what I wanted to hear, he told me what I needed to hear, and when I saw my need of a Savior, I turned to the Lord Jesus Christ, and on that day when I turned to Him for my soul's salvation, I'm here to tell you today, He changed my life, and changed it forever. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I'm here to tell you today what Jesus did for me, Jesus can and Jesus will do for you. Now the message that I'm preparing to preach to you, I've only preached one other time, and it was in the year of 2008. So it's been a while. But I could not get away from just a single verse of Scripture here in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 13. So with the help of the Lord, I want to preach this morning on the thought, a single verse that reveals the simplicity of salvation. I know there are many verses in the Bible that reveal the simplicity of salvation, but as I begin to seek God's will for the service this morning, this is the verse the Holy Ghost of God directed me to. If you're able, would you please stand? As we read the Word of God together, Romans 10 and 13, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now I want to back up and read this single verse of Scripture again and encourage you, if you would please, to read the verse audibly with me. Can we read it together? I'm trusting before this service is through, the Holy Ghost of God would get these words beyond our heads to the point that they find a lodging place right here in our heart of hearts. It's one thing to have it here, it's quite another to have it here. It could be the difference between heaven or hell. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, let's read together, shall we? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. A single verse 
in the Bible that reveals the simplicity of salvation. Let's bow our heads, shall we, for a moment of prayer. Father, thank you this morning for the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of the living God of glory. Father, I pray that we would not only hear it, but I pray that we would heed it this morning. Father, my heart is particularly burdened for that individual that's made their way to the Emmanuel Baptist Church this Lord's Day, and they know down deep inside they do not have the hope of heaven through the Lord Jesus. May this be the day. May this be the day that you change their lives forever. And we'll give you glory and honor in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I believe with all of my heart that Romans 10, 13 is one of the sweetest yet simplest verses of Scripture in all of the Bible. However, at the same time, I believe it is by far one of the most profound verses in all of the Bible as well. And I say that because this great verse of Scripture before us this morning contains some of the most impressive, some of the most inexhaustive truths that any man on this earth could ever ponder. One Bible commentator insightfully said of Romans 10 and 13, where within the compass of one short verse, can be found a better statement of the scope, the simplicity, as well as the substance of the gospel. I submit to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that here, within the few words that make up this single verse of Scripture, the Holy Ghost, through the pen of the Apostle Paul, has revealed four sobering truths which in turn will change a man's eternal destiny, if not only heard, but heeded. For it is here within these four truths that are revealed in this single verse of Scripture that God has most definitely revealed His simple plan of salvation. And therefore, for a very few moments this Wednesday morning, I'm going to call your attention to those four truths. First of all, when I dig into Romans 10 and 13, the very first truth that leaps off of the page gets beyond my head, lodges in my heart, is this, the widest conceivable humanity. I believe we see the widest conceivable humanity within the first two words of this single verse of Scripture. Those two words are simply this, for whosoever. Would you say those two words with me? For whosoever. In these two short, sobering, yet simple words, we have before us this Lord's Day the widest conceivable humanity. Now let me give you a little Scott chronology here. You can take it for what it's worth. Here's my definition of the word whosoever. I'll give you a threefold definition. First of all, the word whosoever means all. The word whosoever means 
all. Hear me this morning, there are no exceptions. It means all. That's what the word all means. It means all, and that's all all means. It meant all when God used the Apostle Paul to pin the text. And today, right here at the Emmanuel Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Florida, in the year of 2018, it still means all. It not only means all, but it means any. Amen. Because when the Lord said whosoever, that's one circle that you or I, either one, can never get out of. For whosoever. The widest conceivable humanity. It means all. It means any. And since therefore it means all and it means any, it means you. It means you. Uh, hear me this morning, my friend. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. It doesn't make a difference what you have done. No matter what color of skin you have. No matter how much, if any, money you make a year. No matter what kind of clothing you are wearing. No matter what kind of car you drive. Are you getting the picture this morning for whosoever it makes no difference how tall you are or how short you are it makes no difference how thin you are or how thick you are I had to be politically correct right there it makes no difference uh, uh, what you do for a living or what you uh, potentially will do for a living Jesus shed his blood for you it is not God's will for you to die in your sin and go to hell. It's not. In fact, let me put it like this this Lord's Day morning. If you hear this simple, short gospel message and yet reject the truth of the Word of God and die in your sin and go to hell, you will go to hell out of the divine will of God. Because 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9 teaches us that God is not willing that any should perish. God is not willing that any should perish. Here in the text I see the widest conceivable humanity. Whosoever means you. Isn't it a blessing, fellow soul winner, that we were able to walk up to the bunker on the street yesterday and say, Whosoever means you. Isn't it a blessing that we were able to knock on any door, any door, no matter what section of Jacksonville, we can go down any road and uh, we, we wouldn't go anywhere. But if there's a living, breathing human soul that Jesus did not die for, whosoever means you, isn't it a blessing not only to be able to walk up to the rich man and say, whosoever means you, but to be able to walk to the poorest of the poor and say, whosoever means you. Oh, listen to me this Lord's day. Jesus died for the world. We sing the gospel of South Dakota because Jesus died for the people of South Dakota. We sing the gospel of Costa Rica because are you getting the picture this morning? The whitest 
can see the Lord. Humanity. Jesus died for the world. I read about a man one day who was reading his Bible. A skeptic walked by and said, Hello, why are you reading the Bible? The Bible isn't for you. The fellow responded by saying, Oh, sir, I beg to differ. Indeed, the Bible is for me. The man thought he would trip him up and say, How do you know the Bible is for you? You don't read about yourself in the Bible, do you? And the man said, I most certainly do. And the man proceeded to ask him, Show me in that book where God speaks of you. And he turned to John 3.16. And when he got to that word, Whosoever, he slowly spelled it out for the critic. W-H-O-S-O-E-V-E-R. And after he spelled out the word, Whosoever, the child of God said, There I am. There I am because I am a whosoever. Oh, can I tell you this morning, Emmanuel Baptist Church, you're hearing one preacher preach that's still excited about the fact that I am a whosoever. But I've got some great news for you. If you do not know the peace, the joy, the blessing of being a child of God, so are you. You are a whosoever that Jesus died for, that Jesus shed his blood for, that Jesus paid the ultimate price on the cross of Calvary so you through Him could have life and have it more abundantly. I see the wildest conceivable humanity. I also see, secondly, the simplest conceivable activity. Notice what your Bible says in Romans 10 and 13. For whosoever, watch your Bible now, shall call. Would you say those two words with me? Shall call. In these two words, Brother Fox, we see the simplest conceivable activity. Can I call your attention if I know the word call in the text? The word call actually means to cry. And when you begin to dig into the truth of that word call in the text, you discover that it actually bears the same meaning as that of a child crying when it is in need. The very first thing a child does when that child is born is cry. You don't need to teach it to cry. You, you, you don't need to instruct it as to how it should cry. It just cries. It, it's something that's within him. Any child knows how to cry or to call upon his mama or his daddy. And isn't it amazing that God uses the same comparison? God makes the same analogy when He comes to an individual turning from their sin to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why, there isn't a man, woman, boy, or girl who cannot cry. Anybody, are you hearing me? Whosoever has the ability to cry. How does humanity get saved? Well, according to the Bible, by the simplest act. It is not an act of baptism. 
It is not by partaking of the Lord's table or by putting your name on the rule of a local church. It is not by lighting a candle. Now listen, I've been scripturally baptized. My name is on the roll of a local Bible-believing, independent, fundamental Bible-believing church. But I don't do those things. I haven't done those things to be saved. I do those things because I have been saved. If I give you my personal testimony... There would be some of you in this building this morning, you would probably doubt that I was even saved. Can I tell you about the day I got saved? I was eight years old. I'll be honest with you, I didn't go to church that Sunday morning in June in the year of 1974 because I was looking for Jesus. I went for one reason. Because my daddy would have tanned my backside if I didn't have my backside in the car to go to church on Sunday. You see, Sunday meant church at our house. I tell folks everywhere I go, when I was a little fellow, I had a drug problem. My mom and daddy drove me to church every time the doors were open. And one Sunday morning, as an eight-year-old boy, the preacher started preaching. And man, something began to happen in my heart. And I began to realize for the first time, you know, even though my mama is saved, that doesn't mean that I'm saved. And even though my daddy is saved and was the Sunday school superintendent in our church, that didn't mean that I was saved. And even though my two big sisters were saved and even though my big brother was saved, that didn't mean that Scott was saved. And boy, the Holy Ghost of God began to travel the waters of my soul. And I remember that Sunday, nobody told me I had to go to the altar. Nobody tried to pull me to the altar. But I remember, Dr. Neal, I stepped out into the aisle. I stepped out into the aisle, and when I went forward, my pastor was standing there. His name was Sam Putnam at that time. And Brother Putnam stuck his arm out to me. He extended his hand, and he said, Scott, what can I do to help you today? And I remember the words that I said. This is all I said. Brother Sam, I want to be saved. And when those words came out of my mouth, it was like a thousand pounds was lifted off of me. I know what some some of you are thinking. You're thinking, what now, preacher? Nobody walked you down the Romans road? No, nobody walked me down the Romans road? Preacher, nobody spent 15 minutes with you going through this point and that point with 15 sub-points under the points of the main... No, 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 no. You know what I did? I simply said this. I want to be saved. You know what I was doing? My heart was saying, Oh God, the Holy Ghost. When those words, Brother Putnam, I want to be saved, come out of my mouth. Do you know what the Holy Ghost did? The Holy Ghost stepped up to the plate for me and he said, Father, this is what he really means. Let me tell you what he really means. He's lost. He's a sinner. He's going to die and go to hell. But he realizes that he can't call upon the name of his mama. He can't call upon the name of his daddy. He's coming to you. And on that day, when a little eight-year-old boy called upon the name of the Lord, heaven came down and Oh, my soul. 
all the simplest conceivable activity for whosoever shall call, shall call upon the name of the Lord. Number three, the greatest conceivable personality. Let's read the text. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call, here, ladies and gentlemen, is the greatest conceivable personality upon the name of the Lord. Now you may call upon the name of Buddha, but it's not calling upon his name that'll save you. You may call upon the name of Allah. And by the way, can I just do a little preaching right here? Allah is not God and God is not Allah. Allah is a false God. And the reason I say that all, listen, I'm not a fellow that's going around looking for a fight. I know some preachers go around looking for a fight. Uh-uh, not me. You know what I found out in the ministry? You'll have enough fights find you without going out looking for them. But I'll tell you something makes me want to fight, Dr. Neal. This crowd that says, ah, you believe in God, I believe in my God, they're all one of the same. No, they're not! Excuse me. No, they're not! Allah is not God, and God is not Allah. I don't serve Allah. I don't serve Allah. I serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches me there are not many ways to heaven. There is only one way to heaven. And it is seen by the one that said in John 14 and 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man come upon me the Father. But by me, can I put you real plain here? You'll get to heaven through and by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, or you won't get there. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. The greatest conceivable personality. And finally, you not only see the widest conceivable humanity for whosoever. You not only see the simplest conceivable activity shall call. You not only see the greatest conceivable personality upon the name of the Lord. But you see the grandest conceivable reality shall be saved. Not might be saved. Be saved. Not maybe will be saved. Shall be saved. But again, boy, we see the greatest conceivable reality. I give you my word as it is based upon the truth of God's word. If you, having realized your need of a Savior, are willing to turn from your sin to the Lord Jesus and say something like this in your heart. Lord, save me. Then on the authority 
of that book, you can know today that you're headed to heaven. You can know. And by the way, there's only one thing better than being saved, and that's being saved and knowing it. And I'm glad that I know, that I know, that I know, that I know, that I've passed from death into life because I've turned to the Lord Jesus Christ for my soul's salvation. I'll close with this true story. Several years ago when I was pastoring the Canaan Baptist Church of Covington, Georgia, God laid it on my heart to take a map of Covington. Covington's a pretty big town, just southeast of Atlanta. And I drew a circle from the property, the center of the property where our church was at, and I drew a circle probably about a mile in radius from every corner, north, south, east, and west of our church. And I presented the plan to our church that we wanted to knock on every single door within that mile radius. It was literally thousands of doors just within that mile radius. Cassie and I, along with my son Joshua, got in the car on one Operation Saturation Day and literally drove less than a half a mile across the street. We had already done a lot of visiting, a lot of door knocking that day. But I wanted to make just a few visits. I knew there was a street that went just down the block from our church. And we hadn't knocked on those doors personally. And so Cass and I, Joshua, we went and we started knocking on doors. We started at the very first home on the street. And we got down to the end of the street. And I had two homes left. Two homes. And I knocked on the door uh, at, at one house and, of course, uh, stood back waiting for someone to come to the door. When they come to the door, with a smile, I greeted that individual and I said, Sir, my name is Scott Carl and I pastor the church. And I got it out right there and he slammed the door. Now listen, that's going to happen on soul winning. You know that? It's just, just go ahead and, just go ahead and, plan on it. It's, it's sooner or later it's going to happen. So he slammed the door and I thought, man that's not a good way to end so willing and visitation and I, I started back to uh, the car and Cassie was going back to the car and Joshua was going with us and there was one more house but I, I, I'm just going to be honest, I'm not nearly as spiritual as you I was through that day I mean, we'd already had a few rough visits and boy, had the door slammed in the place. I was through that day. And uh, so I started going back to the church. We backed out of the man's driveway and started going back to the church. And the Holy Ghost said, whoa, 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 there's one more house down there. One more house. And I said, ah, all right. The Holy Ghost messes up a lot of good plans, you know. So I said, all right. And so we turned and we went back to that one house. Now, you could tell there were some folks inside the house, but there were three boys playing basketball outside the house. And so I told Cassie, I said, look, 
We don't have a thing to lose here. I mean, we've already had the door slammed at our face. We've already been cussed out, chased by dogs and everything else. Had caps while all over us. Look, our, our clothes are covered by hair. I, I, I said, let's just, look, we don't have a thing to lose. I'll tell you what, Cassie, you go in the house out there, I'm going to share the gospel with these three boys out here. And so Cassie knocked on the door of the house, and she went in the house. And she started witnessing and uh, uh, trying to win those people in the house that day. I didn't even introduce myself. I didn't introduce Joshua. I walked up to those three young men, and I said, Show me the wall! Man, before they even realized it, they threw me the wall. And I took it, I took the shot, and God blessed it. It went in. I mean, it really did. It went in. I, I was surprised myself, but I wasn't going to let on, you know. Like, I was surprised. And those three boys looked at each other and said, Wow. They said it backwards. Wow. And you know what we did? For 15 minutes, Brother Stanley, God blessed me with the ability to play basketball. I'm not a sports star. But man, I was with Dr. J in fundamentalism that day. I mean, God just smiled. I surprised myself. One time Joshua said, Dad. Dude. But after a while, I said to those boys, From the wall! They threw it. And instead of shooting, I put it under my arm. And I said, fellas, my name is Pastor Carl, and I pastor right over there. They could see the steeple of the church. I said, has anybody ever told you about Jesus? Two out of three of those boys had never heard the name of Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about in Burma. I'm not talking about Costa Rica or South Dakota. I'm talking about in Covington, Georgia, Within the saddle of the steeple of the church that I'm going to give an account for. Now, boy, if that don't sober you up in a hurry, Dr. Neal, I don't know what does. So I had the privilege for the next five or ten minutes to start all the way from the beginning. When our forefather Adam fell, plunged mankind as a hole into sin, I explained to them how that the wages of sin was death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And when I got through preaching my message, one of them fellows said, Preacher, can we be saved? Can we turn to the Lord for our soul salvation? I said, Absolutely. I pray with you right now. I said, "Now I'm not going to pray. With, I'm not going to pray for you. You, you pray and ask the Lord to save you." I bowed my head and I said, "Oh Lord Jesus, Lord, you know what these young men are trusting you to do. Lord, I pray you do in their heart what I cannot do, but what you can only do." And while I was praying in that prayer, I heard two of those young men say, "Jesus, save me." 
And when I finished praying the prayer, I looked at one and I said, Did you ask Jesus to save me? He said, I sure did, preacher. I said, What about you, son? Yes, sir. I said, What about you? I didn't hear you say, Jesus save me. He said, Oh, preacher, when they said it, I said it in my heart. And can I tell you, if you say it in your heart, God can hear it if you mean it from your heart. And Jesus saved those three boys that day. It's not hard to be saved. It's very simple according to the Bible. Now, my question to you is this. Are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Does He live in your heart in the person of the sweet Holy Spirit of God? Because if He doesn't, He sent me here to tell you. He woke me up early this morning and said, I want you to go tell those people that you're going to be preaching to this morning that it's not hard to be saved. It's very simple. And if they would cry unto me, I would be as good as my word and say, them by my grace. And so I'm here to deliver you that message. God has dropped that message in your lap and in your heart this morning. Now, my question to you is what will you do with it? You've listened so well. Would you bow your head with me this morning? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I know if I were to ask for a show of hands here of people who have trusted Christ already as their personal Savior, many hands would be raised. I know that. But I just wonder this morning if there is one individual that with an uplifted hand would say right now, Preacher, I'm, I'm just not sure if I were to die today that I'd go to heaven. But I do care enough about the eternal destination of my soul that I would slip my hand up and ask you if you would please to pray for me. Is there one like that here? Anywhere? Anywhere in the building? I just want to pray for you. God knows your heart anyway. Anywhere at all. Oh, I trust that each and every one of you are saved. And one thing's for certain, one thing's for sure, if we are saved, we ought to have a burden for those who aren't. So I wonder as we stand to our feet all over the building, I wonder if those of us who are saved can think of just one individual that God has brought into our lives in one way or another. It may be a schoolmate. It may be a co-worker or family member. And as far as you know, they've never trusted Jesus as their Savior. Well, God sent me here to tell you He wants to use you to reach them with the Gospel. The same Gospel that changed your life. I wonder how many of us would willingly submit our will to the will of God to take them the gospel. If you can think of just one person that needs the Lord Jesus Christ and you want to be used of the Lord to reach them, would you join me in this altar as we pray together this very morning? Right now, would you come? Right now, would you come?
while folks are coming. I'm thinking about your neighbors who are lost. I'm thinking about the family members you'll see at this year's family reunion or on the family vacation. They're lost. And God wants to use you to reach them with the gospel. Now, as Dr. Neal comes to close the service as he sees fit, if you're here and you're lost, oh, God wants to save you. God wants to change your life this morning. Oh, if you would just let Him. If you would just let Him. The pastor's coming. You do what the Lord would have you to do. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The piano begins to play. God has spoken to you in any way.